Chapter Twenty of Yesterday Framed in Today by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty: To Open the Blind Eyes. Just then they turned the corner. They had taken but a few steps on this new street before David became aware of footsteps behind them and the murmur of voices. He glanced back, and for the moment it seemed to him as though his very heart stood still behold coming with quickened footsteps almost at their side was the stranger philip nelson walking beside him was talking earnestly following them were the other men who had attached themselves to him and following them still was a small company composed of boys and street loungers it was as miriam brownlee had said the rabble were always following close at his heels Without taking time for consideration, David laid his hand on the arm of his blind companion and spoke quickly. My friend, the opportunity of a lifetime is at hand. The man of whom we have been thinking is just behind you. He and his followers are moving down this street. He distinctly felt the tremor which ran through the man's frame, but no word was spoken. The man merely stopped and stood perfectly still david who had taken his arm the better to direct his steps stopped also at that moment the company just behind came up with them and the eyes of the strange physician were immediately fastened on those blind ones instinctively david dropped back a pace or two for the man was speaking to his companion in low tones then he bent down and gathered some of the clay at his feet a few touches made of it a kind of paste which he spread over the blind eyes. Then came the bewildering direction, quite as if this were an ordinary occurrence. Go to yonder fountain and bathe your eyes. Immediately, at a signal from him, the company moved on, and David and his strange companion were left behind. For the moment David forgot him. He looked after that advancing form with inexpressible longing in his heart. Oh, to have for a single half-hour Philip Nelson's opportunity! Oh, to be able to ask a single one of the questions that were surging through his mind! Of course he must not intrude. These friends had been chosen from among the crowd, and especially and personally invited to keep their teacher company. It would be unpardonable to join them uninvited. Then he turned and looked at those mud-be-splattered eyes. It was very well that the man could not know what an object had been made of him. Why had it been done? "'What are you going to do next?' he asked, and the intensity of the reply was impressive. "'I am going over to that fountain. I would go to the world's end and attempt the impossible at that man's direction.' "'Yes,' David said. "'So would I. Come with me. I will take you there.' The streets were by no means as quiet as they had been. People were beginning to pass in groups on their way to the early service. They all bestowed curious glances on David's companion, and had a second curious glance for David himself. Some of the words floated back to him. "'That is a strange-looking couple. What do you suppose that older one has on his eyes?' "'Dear me, isn't that blind Joe? Who can have been disfiguring him?' or perhaps it is some patent medicine he is trying. The boys, those omnipresent creatures, especially upon city streets, began to gather from only they knew where, and follow the two, shouting funny speeches after Joe, and laughing derisively over his strange appearance. 
it was a walk for david holman to remember never but once before had he been the subject of ridicule in the street the remembrance of it caused his face to burn he had been overcome with liquor so that he staggered and the quick-witted boys had discovered it and followed after him imitating his uncertain steps the contrast was striking but it was not pleasant to be ridiculed for any cause he had no intention of leaving his blind friend to grope his way alone but unconsciously he quickened his steps he would be glad when the ordeal was over at last they reached the fountain and the blind man bending toward the sound of its splashing waters washed away the mud from his eyes and in doing so washed away forever the veil that had hidden the world from his sight who shall undertake to put into words a description of that man's sensations when his eyes first saw those brilliant flashes of color in tree and flower and wing of bird he trembled and staggered and would have fallen but for david's arm suddenly thrown about him what is it asked david his excitement almost equal to the others lean on me what is the matter i can see said the man he did not shout the words instead they were almost a whisper exultant yet awe-stricken oh god i tell you i can see where is that man where did he go take me to him i would fall down and worship him if they had attracted attention as they walked toward the fountain what shall be said of the sensation they made as they hurried back through the town it happened that blind joe was a well-known character people were accustomed to seeing him grope his way through unfamiliar streets putting out his hands carefully on either side to feel if the way was clear here he was with head erect taking long strides over the road avoiding the crowds on the walks as only one could do who had full use of his eyes tongues were busy on every side why is that blind joe yes it is don't you suppose i know joe but that man can see i tell you as well as i can it looks as though he could and joe was born blind there is some mystery about it i wonder who that other fellow is i never saw him before still other groups stared and commented why of course that is joe andrews haven't i lived next door to the family for twenty years i don't pretend to understand it but i know that is he then joe his way blocked by the gathering crowd stopped smiling you are right he said cheerily i'm joe andrews sure enough i don't wonder you are astonished you can't be more so than i am let me tell you about it significant glances were exchanged among the groups of people as they listened to the simple yet astounding facts many of them knew even before a description of him was reached that the wonder-working stranger and the man who had roused the excitement of the people and the hatred of the rulers were the same the people were interested but troubled at last one spoke what we ought to do is report this case to the authorities these are nervous times and for us to be standing here talking with a man who has been cured of blindness without taking steps to have the matter looked into is as much as our lives are worth this called forth eager discussion there were those who did not hesitate to affirm that there had evidently been a wonderful cure performed and that they should think the authorities ought to be glad instead of making a fuss about it 
but for the most part the people were afraid before he fully realized what was taking place david found himself in the midst of what might almost have been called an impromptu trial as they moved on down the street which was every moment more thronged with people it became apparent that certain men who stood high in official circles had joined them and were closely questioning joe andrews joe had only his simple story to tell but it was surprising what sneers and insinuations greeted it i have no idea that he was born blind said one of the wise men you cannot trust these fellows when they want to make a large story he has been partially blind for some time i have seen him groping his way about town probably he was never so badly off as he imagined these cases sometimes recover sight very suddenly there is nothing to get up an excitement about there is his mother exclaimed a boy in the outskirts of the crowd she'll know whether he was blind or not somebody immediately stopped the father and mother who were trying to make their way through the crowds not towards but away from their son they were not only excited but frightened they realized more fully than did some the danger of having to do with the strange doctor the poor mother shook her head in answer to some of the questions but she could not bring herself to deny her son's identity oh yes he is our boy of course i should know joe anywhere yes sir he was born blind oh i don't know how he was cured how should i we have but this minute heard of it why don't you ask joe he is the only one who can tell about it this of course had already been done but had not proved satisfactory it would have seemed that but one conclusion could be reached by the facts yet these wise men reached another very well they said at last addressing joe you have occasion to thank god for having restored your full sight it will be well for you to discover what he means by such an act of mercy as for the fellow to whom you credit the cure remember that the less you say about him the better for you we know too much of him already he is a dangerous fellow joe's newly recovered eyes flashed he had been blind but not stupid he smiled triumphantly in the face of the man who had cautioned him and spoke out boldly that is very extraordinary a dangerous fellow and yet he has cured me of blindness since the world began no one has known of a man born blind being cured you say god cured me i haven't a doubt of it but he certainly did it through that man now we both believe that god does not hear the prayers of dangerous fellows how is it all to be explained then did the dignified public officials forget their dignity and stoop to sneers and taunts they reminded joe andrews of his humble birth his lack of education the inability of his parents to instruct him and indeed ran all over the humilities and privations of his life impressing upon him the folly of his presuming to instruct such as they if he were to be thus injured by god's gift of sight it would have been better for him to have remained blind through it all joe kept his temper with an ease that david holman could have envied it was very true he replied calmly that he did not know much he had had few opportunities for knowledge but two things he knew that he had been blind all his life until about an hour ago and that now he could see distinctly yes he knew a third thing 
he knew the man who had given him sight and he meant to find him and thank him if it took the rest of his life and then david feeling that the restored man needed no more help from him escaped from the crowd and made his way by a side street to the church evidently the streets were not the place for one who was trying to steady his pulses and think dispassionately as he passed out of the church that evening just as he reached the sidewalk some one touched his arm he turned quickly to meet the earnest eyes of his companion of the morning i wanted to see you again he began eagerly to thank you for your great help this morning but for you i might not have understood well sir you know more than that i want to tell you the rest of my story you said this morning that you believed on that man i do not know how much you meant perhaps no more than i did then but i mean more now i have seen him do you mean since this morning i did not see him this morning said the man with a sudden smile of joy radiating his face but to-night just at sunset i saw the sunset can you imagine what a sight that was to me then i saw him and knew him in an instant no please do not ask me how i cannot tell he is unlike any other i am to be excommunicated from the church you guessed as much this morning didn't you what question do you think he asked me to-night the first words he spoke to me were do you believe on the son of god i wish i could describe to you the feeling that that question gave me a strange sensation all through me at first i could not speak then i said almost in a whisper who is he that i may believe on him will you bend your head a little sir so that i may tell you the exact words of his reply i that speak unto you am he yes sir those were the words i can never forget them they are true true i know it i am sure of it david holman walked the streets that evening as one who saw not he did not realize where he walked did not care his one desire was to get away from people and let his brain take in and dwell upon those solemnly significant words i that speak unto you am he after that said his heart to him what need you any further witness he tramped about over the hills that skirted the town until his body at least was tired then realizing that the hour was growing late and that his host might be troubled as to what was detaining him he made his way with all speed to the rothwell cottage at the door was mary and he remembered afterwards the look of solemn joy on her face as she greeted him mr holman i am so glad you have come i have been watching for you our friend is here and he will see you in his room you may go up at once if you wish you know the room the one you occupied the first night you spent with us david held out his hand to the girl his voice tremulous with emotion god bless you for getting me this opportunity i shall never forget it then he turned and ran up the stairs two steps at a time his heart beating in great thuds his face pale with expectation tapping gently at the door he received an instant invitation to enter he turned the knob and was at last alone in the presence of the one whose power over him was henceforth to be absolute and eternal they were walking to town together on the following afternoon 
Mary Rothwell and Mr. Holman. He had been talking so earnestly as not to realize the distance which they had come, nor the fact that they were in one of the crowded thoroughfares of the city. He had been telling, as nearly as such an experience could be put into words, about his interview of the night before. Certain moments of that interview he never expected to try to describe to human being, but there was much that could be given to a sympathetic listener, especially to one who understood the matter better than he did himself. In truth, he questioned her earnestly as to the possible meaning of this or that word which the master had spoken to him. She had smiled significantly when he first used that phrase, and he had gone back to the sentence and said reverently, My master. And then Mary Rothwell had felt that the interview had accomplished its object, and this troubled soul was at rest. Suddenly David was recalled to the immediate present in a way that startled him. End of chapter 20